welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube channel, based on a podcast. I'm glad I got that right. Uh, <laughs> this week, we're here to talk about Hamilton, uh, but I'm, as always, your uh, co-host, MJ Smith. And I'm Michael Morey. I'm Missy Lonsinger. And uh, we're here to talk about Hamilton, uh, an American musical, uh, which dropped on Disney+. Plus. But we're joined by a very special guest, always welcome on the show, uh, Corey Tindall's here. Yes. Yay. It's always fun Woo. to be here. A voice... Corey. From Corey, the past. Are you glad to talk about a good movie on this for once? <laughs> I am. I mean, kind of my MO is like you invite me on to talk about Spider-Man, uh, super controversial movies or just terrible movies. So <laughs> Corey, <laughs> it you feel better as soon as they added me on as like a permanent co-host. I feel like we've only seen really bad movies. And then 2020 good. happened. Yeah. 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 They're like, hey, Missy, let's watch Cats. Hey, Missy, let's watch all this other shit, like the Terminator <laughs> movie and all that. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. So it's, it's fine. But this is a good one. We're watching a good one. We're talking about yeah. a good one. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Hamilton is, it's, it's not a film adaptation of the stage play. It's just a filmed version of the stage play, like a concert film. Um, it was filmed in 2015, 16, 2016, um, with yes. the original cast before they all left the show there's a couple people who aren't original cast right am i wrong about that uh i, I think it's mostly original cast isn't it original, yeah, yeah that's what i thought so yeah. i know that uh jonathan groff was originally not king george it was brian darcy james who's another uh, really okay. famous broadway actor he actually originated shrek on broadway but uh-huh. i think that he was only like their previews and off-broadway guy and then i think when they went to broadway though i think it was jonathan groff the whole time but that's okay. the only person i can think of who is different Okay, cool. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, the original it's it's the original cast who's like if you go and buy the original cast recording album, that's Jonathan Groff doing the the King George songs. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's it's the cast who did the original uh, cast recording, and um, yeah, it's just it's been what five years since it came out, um, yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah, which is crazy, half a decade, man. Um, what? Yeah. Right. And it just kind of Hamilton just kind of came out of nowhere, I think, for a lot of people, um, because, uh, you know, I feel like one, the vast majority of people don't follow a lot of theater things. So then all of a sudden it was just like Hamilton, this Hamilton, that. And I was like, what is what is Hamilton? And I, I remember when I first heard of Hamilton, it was just on Twitter. I didn't even think about like the guy on the ten dollar bill. Like I, I was I just had heard that it was a musical. And so yeah, I was gonna cool. ask. I was curious about that because like I'm I'm a theater person. I I listen to like a lot of the stuff that's on Broadway and try to keep up with that. But I know that it blew up not just with like theater nerds. Like it felt like everybody loved it. So like, how did you guys hear about it? Not to be like a leader saying, oh, nobody else should have known about it. But like I'm curious right. how like kind of non theater goers were really getting into it. For me, it was Twitter. Uh, weirdly, it was Devin Faraci. I don't know if you guys know who that is. Mike, oh, I know yeah. you know who that is. Uh-huh. Uh, Devin Faraci got into it. I don't know how he got into it, but he had tweeted about it. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I felt like it snowballed into like a lot of people sure. um, mm-hmm. talking about it. And I was like, what is this thing? So I, I eventually was able to determine that it was a musical. And I was like, okay, so people are not this many. I know these people don't live in New York and they're not all going to New York. So there's got to be an original cast recording out there. So I went to Spotify. Right. I listened to it. And my first thought was I, I had to pause it as soon as they started rapping because I just wasn't expecting it <laughs> yeah. to be that. And then yeah. 
I had to pause it again when they were like the $10 founding father. And I was like, ah, oh, this is like Schoolhouse Rock. Like, what is, what's going <laughs> on here? And then I was like, okay, so it's a rap thing about the guy on the 10. So it's like a Revolutionary War rap musical. Sure, why not? And so I was like, it was pretty good. You know, like it's, it sounds good. Right. And then I played it from there and just the rest, I remember like that day at work. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was sitting at my desk just doing my job and I was just like, what is this? Like, it just like, it exploded my brain. Like I was just like, I, this came out of nowhere for me. And then just was a, you know, a fist to the jaw of a, 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 an accomplishment to me. So that was, that was my initial story with Hamilton. I approached it from, I think hearing about it in a news article or some sort of politics related thing. And I heard huh. people on both sides of the political spectrum talking about how great it was and i thought well that's pretty weird that's like very rare to hear people from both sides agreeing on something being good especially in 2015 2016 yeah so that's what introduced me to it and then i went and checked it out and i mean i think that probably everybody on this podcast recognizes that i usually approach media skeptically like entertain me Um, (laughs) crosses arms across chest Um, but uh, so I was kind of like that initially along with MJ in a way I mean I knew that it was going to be the rap and all that stuff in it um, Mm -hmm. hip-hop influence but there was a period of time where I was grappling with it like is this good do I like this and then eventually it, it won me over as it went on and now I have to say I mean MJ was crazy about it, but so was I during that period of time, like 2015, 2016. I probably listened to it a dozen plus times all the oh, way. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's our go-to road trip music now. Oh, yeah, because it'll last you a while. <laughs> yeah, we never make it to Act 2. Um. <laughs> so yeah. that's my story. Yeah, Corey, nice. what about you? Yeah, I mean, I was hearing about it. I think the main... Uh, impetus for me is like you know back in 2016 I was uh helping do a podcast and I had a co-host who was all about this show and so every time we would record episodes I think I'd hear a little bit more and a little bit more about Hamilton and so then finally I went and listened to it and it's like what is this also my wife loves musical theater so um yeah it was just like a very it was like a perfect storm for us but yeah MJ, I feel like it was you just sharing a lot of like I saw some of it on social media, but like you were just like, man, this is so good. You have so, to listen to it. I know exactly what it was for you, Corey, because <laughs> it was totally my fault. We burned you a copy of the CD to take on your road trip to yeah. Indy when you moved because you yes. still hadn't heard it by the time you moved. And I looked at Kristen and I was like, we're making them a copy of this. Like, <laughs> uh, so we had given you guys that as like part of your going away present. And then I remember getting a text from you that was like, we listened to Hamilton all the way, you know, uh, it's so good. And I was like, yeah, man, like, you know. Um, yeah. I, but I do think that there was a lot of, and maybe this is just a thing that happens to me, but I feel like there are two, there are kind of two things when I when I emphatically recommend something, there are kind of two reactions to it, and it's mostly th- this one, which is pass. Um, and so, like, it's either it's either just like um, cool, man, like I'll get around to it or whatever, right. and or oh, MJ really liked that. He like is pretty selective about the stuff he like is that vocal about, 
I'll check it out. And so that's what happened with Stranger Things is a lot of people were like, oh, man, I watched that because you wouldn't shut up about it. And I really liked it. <laughs> and then, like, I feel like it's like pulling teeth to get people to watch Creed. Like, why? Why is that? A, <laughs> it's because so they, they hear it's the Rocky thing and they're like, I'm kind of over Rocky. And it's like, no, man, like, it's, it's not, so much more than yeah. that. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. But it, and then it was the same thing with Hamilton is like, I was just like, Hamilton, this thing, you know, and. People were like, mm, maybe. And then I eventually forced Kristen to listen to it on a road trip and she cried at the end. And I was like, oh, I've been telling you this for months. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I get the the hard pass thing mainly from Kristen, um, but <laughs> but it, it is a common occurrence. So I feel like that, like those, those are the two things that I've raved about in the past probably 10 years that it's just like, I know you will like this. Please listen to this because I want it to enrich your life. And people are like, meh. Yeah. Um, which is very weird. It's just very weird that people have this like borderline history reaction of like, that thing's popular. I'm going to not like it without knowing anything about it. Even though right. it's people who like aren't really like that in my life, or I don't think they're like that <laughs> in my life. So yeah, I've had a lot of that reaction um, talking about Hamilton. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I'm trying to think. Most of the people I talk to, I never was like so effusive that I put people off from it. Um, yeah. That I, I don't think I provoked that hipster reaction. I was just kind of like, hey, you might like this. And I kind of just, you know, slid over the link to them and <laughs> let them consume it. Um, but generally, I don't think there's anybody who was like resistant to it. There's just some people I knew that it wasn't worth trying to introduce it yeah, to them. Yeah, for sure. And so I, I, didn't, I didn't even fight that battle. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I didn't have a lot of pushback either. Um, so my my sister was actually my little sister was the one who was first like, "Hey, like check this out. I know you've heard of it." And then I, I loved it immediately. And then like my parents are both like mm -hmm. supreme American history buffs. And even though it was rapping, which isn't, or rapping and hip hop, I guess, isn't necessarily their favorite genre. Um, I put it on at one point during a road trip, like back from LA with my mom and she loved it immediately. And then when I was teaching English um, at a, like a brick and mortar school and I was teaching poetry to freshmen, I, I would slip in like just stanzas from uh, like Lin-Manuel Miranda's lyrics. And the kids were like, oh, this is kind of interesting and cool. And I was like, hell yeah, it is. And this is Hamilton. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah indoctrinating the youth so yeah, yeah but I, so, I didn't get a lot of pushback though yeah <laughs> so what what beyond it catching like wildfire across generations and party lines and right everything <laughs> why 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 was this the thing that kind of set the world on fire like obviously it's a quality thing but there's so i mean we were just talking about it offline like there's so many quality things that like get kind of overlooked in their time um, or e even maybe kind of reappraised as being like maybe not as good as a, it was thought about like a couple years ago. But I feel like, you know, with the film version being on Disney Plus, I think a lot of people, myself included, who already loved it, right. seeing it, like I haven't seen it live. So I didn't know about, you know, a lot of the choreography oh, nice. or the, yeah. mm -hmm. the, um, the uh, uh, lighting cues, or the sound cues and stuff. Sure. Like seeing the film version, I was just like, what the? And we'll talk more about that in a second. Um, but it just, and most people haven't seen it live. So right, it was yeah. just the music and music. So it's, you know, it's like the streaming age and music. It's like so hard to get people to congregate around one piece of music specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, so why do you guys think that this just like is, was the thing? Um, well, I mean, do, do either of you want to go first? Do you care if I go first? No, go you go ahead. <laughs> um, okay. So 
I I think that the style of music helped a lot. I think a big reason a lot of people can't get behind show tunes and Broadway in particular is that there's this idea that it's very campy, which is not wrong um, for, you know, a lot of classic musicals, especially. And it, it's just kind of like not your thing. And the the other thing with it is that theater um, is is almost getting to be like this elite class of thing where you can only see it. You can only experience it if you're somebody who's very wealthy. Like most of us, like you were saying, haven't seen it because theater's a very expensive hobby if you want to try to see professional shows. And I remember when they released Hamilton on Spotify, like for free, it was like immediately going out so that a ton of people could access it. And not only that, but it was a musical style that I think a lot of people could get more on board with. Um, Davi Diggs, who is, you know, not saying that like his his group um, was already super prominent and popular, but when you get a lot of really good performers and good rappers, and, and the music is very quality. I, I think it reached out to a lot more people than I'm sure thought would ever be interested in a Broadway musical. So I just like the accessibility with the style of music that he has. Um, and, and then I think the fact when people started hearing like, oh, and he was very avant-garde in his casting because Broadway can be very, very whitewashed um, and very mm-hmm. um, kind of ignorant of. Like, I remember when I took a playwriting class uh, for my major, they, my, my teacher told us, like, if you want people of color to be cast, like, please put, like, encourages, you know, people of color to be cast. And he's like, because otherwise it will very likely just be white. And I'm not trying to make this, like, into, like, a political thing right now. But mm-hmm. I think the fact that this was something that, that was so prominently um, performed by people of color when that's such a rare thing. And the music was good. And it was made so accessible very early on for people to listen to it. I, I think he's a genius in the way that he marketed this. Um, so it was just kind of like a perfect storm of him uh, promoting this. And, and and a thing like you were saying, crossing party lines, because a lot of conservative people who may not be super into rap or, or other stuff like that is like, hey, but this is about America and about our founding fathers. And that's a really cool thing. So I feel like it kind of stretched across borders as far as who it was appealing to in just a lot of different ways. Yeah, I yes. agree with that. Uh, I would also add on to it i think the diversity element allowed it to kind of um get past maybe some what might be reflexive liberal criticism of the founding fathers aspect of it um and and how they might dislike some things i think it helped lower their defenses so they could like the rest of it and by the same token um, the fact that it was about the founding fathers might have allowed, um, you know, some conservatives to get over the aspects that maybe, you know, they don't like uh, rap or hip hop, but they like they might prefer like a show tune kind of version of it. Sure. Um, and so it, it allowed them to kind of both get over maybe their initial ob- objections to it in um, in a useful way. But it also comes down to the music is good. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, beyond just all the outside factors, um, it, I watched a couple of musicals over uh, July 4th weekend and the kind of supposedly famous ones. Um, I had, and I had seen also just recently uh, singing in the rain, like a week or two before that. Mm-hmm. And I um, was actually not that impressed with it, but uh, that's oh, another. Oh man, I love singing in the rain. That, yeah, that's Ooh, another conversation. Singing in the rain's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, we'll my. get back to that. I know, I know. Controversial statement time. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that some of those things that I watched, they were lucky to have even like one good or enduring tune that I like remembered. And sure. I mean, singing in the rain, you know, it was obviously singing in the rain. Uh, the song mm-hmm. mostly. Um, versus this show, I could name 
you know, five or six just flat out showstopper songs. Yeah. Some of them, like three of them right. kind of come like back to back almost. Yeah. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I think most musicals would be lucky to have one that sticks with you. And so I think that's something else that it, it goes beyond uh, just being like a competent musical to being something that's very well written and musically uh, memorable. The motifs are pretty good. It, that all works together pretty well to make something that leaves a lasting impression. Yeah, I would agree with everything you both said. I think it's just a perfect uh, mix of all these things, uh, like excellence in songwriting, all the stuff that you guys are talking about. There's so many different on-ramps for people in this. And I think, you know, some of that is just like, Lynn Manuel knew that as he was writing and creating this. So it's like you get people from a history lane, you get people from political lanes, you get people from different cultural backgrounds, the different types of music, you get the theater people, you get like there's so many ways to get into this. And then like when mm-hmm. you get into it and you see like the quality and the caliber of all of it, you know, that is like what you were saying, Mike. It's not just like one or two like memorable things, it's like the whole show. Mm-hmm. is incredible and there's so many yeah. like powerhouse numbers in it plus like the original broadway crap like the cast it's like they they were amazing so i just think Man. like it was it was this perfect storm like you guys said of all these different things and i think that's why it just exploded plus combined with like how it was marketed and spotify and all mm-hmm. that stuff right and and you know it also has the benefit of it can lean back a little bit on its story because there is like an assumed uh, implicit. We all know part of the story, at least when it comes Mm -hmm. to the birth of America (laughs) and other things. So it can kind of tug on our, um, our memories or uh, our historical knowledge. But Uh, even that was like, but even that, like, yeah, it could tug on that, but it would kind of, you know, parts of it take the angle it's like how many of us like learned about alexander hamilton you right. know so not, it's like not many, yeah right. so, yeah so it's intriguing in that way it's like oh we know history but it's like oh yeah like oh we're yeah lucky it, if we like kind of know who he is it, it still yeah, teaches you things that you don't know <laughs> right yeah. And, and, yeah. and while while also lean on things that you do know and so it's kind of a, the perfect combination of both that it's like inviting and also familiar mm-hmm. which is nice yeah, yeah um, no, I totally agree, because I think if it had been, like, George Washington's story, I feel like so many of us have had that beaten to death in history classes, <laughs> that we're like, yeah, we get it, we know what that is, but Alexander Hamilton, there's, like, a little bit of intrigue, it's like, that's a name that I know, but I don't know that I know much about him, so Yeah, yeah, you get a little bit of that in there, where you want to see more about it. Yeah, I think you're right, too, and, like, I, I think one of the things that the show did for me, and a lot of people, is go, why was... Alexander Hamilton ever going to be removed from the $10 bill? Uh, (laughs) Looking back at a post-Hamilton world, like that being the plan at -hmm. some point, it's just like, wait, wait a minute. (laughs) What? (laughs) The guy who invented it doesn't get to be here? Yeah. Well, uh, because basically he was unappreciated. And and this, I mean, obviously the book that this was based on, the Rob Chernow book um, and this, led to a greater awareness of, oh yeah, this guy was pretty important and we had forgotten him. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, like he was he was a footnote in a Got Milk commercial until this, you know. Okay, yeah. truly, <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought that up because when I first heard about this musical, I was like, oh yeah, that Got Milk commercial where the guy had peanut butter in his mouth yeah. and he knew Amber! that Aaron Burr shot Alexander Hamilton. Like, <laughs> I didn't even notice that he was on the ten dollar bill because apparently that's how oblivious I am when I well, also I don't spend tens, but. Yeah, that was that was my entry into Alexander Hamilton was that Got Milk commercial. Yeah, that so. and Lazy Sunday by Lonely Island. Yes. Okay, that's it. Yes, that was the other one. It's um, all about Hamilton's baby. Yeah, you can call us Aaron Burr from the way we're dropping Hamilton. Yes. <laughs> the first rap about Alexander Hamilton. Um, <laughs> did Lin Manuel Miranda steal this idea from SNL? Probably. Uh, Andy Samberg is owed some royalties. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're all right. And and then also in the theater community, like Lin Manuel Miranda was someone to watch anyway because he had won a oh, bunch yeah. of Tonys with his for first musical for In the Heights, Heights. and that was also yeah. excellent, by the way. Yeah, yeah it's super it's good. good. It's yeah. very good. Um, and he had, he had been writing before that too. He like wrote some of the some of the music for the Bring It On musical, and you can totally tell which songs he wrote. Sure. Um, because they're the best ones. And, uh, you know, I, I he's kind of at the heart of this, right? Like, he, that whole creative team of, like, him and Thomas Kale, who directed it, and mm-hmm. uh, Alex Lackamore, who's the musical director right. of it. Um, it was kind of just these three guys that really birthed this uh, phenomenon. And I was thinking about that watching the movie. We haven't even started talking about the, the film <laughs> performance yet. But... Uh, I, I was thinking about that while I was watching and I was just like, man, like, cause you don't know, you never know when you go out and like do stuff, wh- how it's going to be perceived. And then if you say like, it, it, I, I think one of the reasons I get the hard pass uh, thing aside from being maybe overly emphatic about it is if you go to someone, you're like, Oh yeah, this is a rap musical about the guy on the $10 bill. They're just like, right. Ah, cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's not, like there's no place next to that. Yeah, there's no way to like categorize that. You know, it's like we we like to like put things in boxes, and so you say that, and people are like, "What?" Yeah, and I think a lot of the time too, because when you say musical, like you were saying, Missy, theater is a lot of white people, and so when you you hear that, you automatically think it's lame white people rapping about the you know. Oh, and then yeah. when you add the like the American Re- American Revolution onto it, and so I remember the first thing that I someone said when I showed it to him was like, oh, cool, it's black people. And uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't like thankful for the diversity. It was like, okay, you got the people who like, right. you know, like the, the, you took the music from this these people and then you cast the parts that way. And that's yeah. way better than listening to a bunch of people try to be like Eminem. God. Uh, and so <laughs> uh, it, that I won't think, stop every white theater person from trying. If you don't think we have all wrapped Hamilton on our own, oh very yeah, much mistaken. Come on. <laughs> Come on. But um, yeah, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> so it catches, and everyone's like, "We got to see this thing." Thing about theater, besides it being expensive, is right. it's largely in one place, and that place is New York City. Sure. And not everyone lives there, and not everyone goes there. So there was immediately this kind of and you know it's very rare that if it's even ever happened that a play like a broadway musical catches on this way and so it was kind of unprecedented a little bit where it's just like okay all these people are super into this now how do we get it to people and so it had to like go on tour really quickly it had to um you know they just had a lot of like stuff to figure out and then they started doing the the ham for ham 
events where they would do the right. ticket raffle for the ten dollar. Uh, I just realized that they were charging ten dollars for the front row because they're <laughs> Hamilton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And so that became like a thing to where they had to start doing it virtually. Like they couldn't do it outside the Richard Rogers anymore because so many people were blocking the street. Right. And it became this phenomenon and everyone was like, you got to film it. You got to film it. You got to film it. And so then they filmed it and then it just kind of went away, which yeah. is weird move. Uh, and we had talked about this on the cats episode, which was our last episode. So I don't want to camp out on the point too much, but <laughs> it, it was, it, I think in a lot of people's eyes, a misstep of sorts, because you got to strike while the iron's hot and like mm -hmm. you're going to drive sales. You're going to drive ticket sales. People are going to watch the Hamilton documentary and then be like, oh, I have to see this live. Right. Um, and there's this antiquated idea within the theater community. And I think, Missy, you you're the one who talked about it, that ticket sales like tickets will stop selling if it's available anywhere else, like the exclusivity Absolutely. of it. Mm -hmm. is what makes it ex exclusive. Like what makes it, I know that sounds dumb, but like no, makes yeah. it exclusive to, to people. It's exciting. And like, yeah, it makes it exciting. It makes it feel like they're they're part of a certain group that, you know, yeah. only got to experience this. And some of that can bleed over into elitism for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then also there's part of it who's like, oh, I got to experience something unique. And, you know, thus, thus my, I got my money's worth. But I think Hamilton really kind of broke that. Um, and it, it, so it started touring and it just it sold out. Just, I mean, more ticket, right. more ticket, yeah. revenue, more ticket revenue. Lin-Manuel Miranda gets this deal with Disney. He's their golden boy now. Um, oh, sure. You know, certainly a match made in heaven. But, you mm -hmm. know, he does the music for Moana. He is in Mary Poppins, too. He is doing the music for Little Mermaid, too. He's doing some music for something else they have coming out, too. Um, I don't remember what. And, uh, you know, so he he gets that going. And the whole time, which is good, I love the music to Moana. I didn't see Mary Poppins Returns because it looked bad. And uh, and also the first one's bad. And uh, No, shut your <laughs> mouth. Whoa, controversial. Popular Those are fighting opinions. words. I'm shots, yeah. shots fired. You you don't like Mary Poppins? I don't like Mary Poppins. <laughs> what is wrong with you? you? <laughs> what? Once COVID is over. Right in your face. I don't think I have COVID, but I'm still gonna cough in your face out of disrespect for you. Goodness. Anyway, I'm sorry. Like it, it would be good. Um, You're so wrong. You're so anyway, wrong. Anyway, moving forward. Sorry. Corey got a whole podcast about this. Uh, we, <laughs> we did. did I we we did tried saving this. Mr. Banks and Mary Poppins. I need uh, saving second. Mr. Banks more. Stop. Um, <laughs> You're movie. breaking my heart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, anyway, yes. so, um, but the whole time I'm wondering, like, when do I get to see Hamilton? Like, why? Why is it taking so long? And right. it was just to drive ticket sales. And then finally, in early, in the before time, um, <laughs> they announced, hey, it's coming out in October of 2021, and it's getting a theatrical release. And I always said you could do a Fathom event for it because those things are expensive anyway. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I was like, uh, yeah, you can charge like $50 to $100 a ticket and people will pay, you know, to go yeah. see this filmed version of it. Like, what are you guys doing? You're just sitting on this. Like, it feels like you're sitting on a revenue stream that is just a cash cow in the making. Yeah. And um, 
so they announced it's going to be October 2021 and it's going to get a theatrical release and it's from Disney. And I was like, that's cool. That'll make a lot of money. Right. And I had this thought, though, where I was like, why would you not release it in an election year? Um, yeah. Granted, this is one of the more off-kilter election years we've <laughs> had. Um, but <laughs> in any election year, like, uh, this is a story about the birth of America, and everyone's thinking about America's political system in an election year, regardless of who's running. Like, I don't understand why you're releasing that in 2020. And then he had In the Heights, the filmed adaptation, coming out in 20, in 2020 instead. And I was like, why didn't you flip those things? Because it makes way more sense to me to release the thing about America and it, it's the birth of its political system in an election year. Yeah. yeah. What well, I'm trying I, to say is I think I did coronavirus by say, thinking that uh, <laughs> and forcing them to flip-flop those release dates. I was going to say, I think what you were saying earlier and, and what I know we've talked about before is is I have to believe the truest reason for it because Hamilton, if I'm not mistaken, was racking up the highest ticket sales, like the highest cost for, for even oh, like geez. the back mezzanine tickets were so much more than any other show. I know when I was looking and considering going to New York at one point, um, and this was like last March when I'm like, all right, you know what? Hamilton's been on Broadway for like several years. It was still three to $400, I think. I think when yeah. I saw it in LA, it was still... I mean, and I was like back of the orchestra, but I think I, I, I paid like a, a few hundred dollars. Like it's so much. And I think they're like we talked about, there's such a fear that, oh, my God, God forbid the masses are able to see it because then they might not want to spend hundreds of dollars on these tickets to see it, which I mean, I think this is proving is very dumb because I'm sure ticket sales are probably going to go up exponentially after like, you know, the world opens up again. But well, I yeah, think that'll I, also help it, too. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it. I, I think truly, I think it was like a fear of, of losing money, which is so dumb. But, you know, uh, Broadway's become a business now, which is really unfortunate. Um, but, yeah, I, I think what you were saying was totally true. It, it should have been released this year. And and thankfully it was. And now we get it for free, which is super or for five dollars a month or whatever, which is super yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you can bundle it with Hulu. Like it's, it's yeah, so sure. easy to access, which is super cool. Um, yeah. You know, I was very excited when that happened and uh so it's all that to say hamilton's out guys we all watched hamilton um and and uh i think two of us have seen it live and two of us haven't right mike you've seen it in a theater yeah. right i've seen it live yeah yeah um and so uh what what'd you guys think about hamilton the 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 movie version that's a filmed play <laughs> uh cory why don't you go first well i mean it's incredible i i don't know really you know we can talk specifics but just my initial thing it's incredible and from someone who has listened to the the whole soundtrack multiple times and had envisioned how some of these scenes would be staged it was really cool to see how they were actually staged to see how they used the whole revolving uh stage element because you know i've seen pictures of it and people have told me it's like oh yeah i saw so it was just really cool to actually see it but it was incredible the the original cast they're insane they're so good it yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed it i was like hooked the whole time i was watching it missy nice um yeah i <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think so watching it having already seen it um live i think it's still I like I was a little afraid that I was like oh it's going to be detracted from because I've already kind of seen it because I agree with Corey when you listen to it 
it's already an incredible experience, but I think um, something that really struck me, because I knew like that all of the background ensemble had like those very pared down costumes, which I thought, which I thought was so cool. Um, but what really struck me seeing it uh, both live and on the film version is the amount of stillness from the leads when they're actually singing. And mm. there's so much like kind of chaos happening behind them, but it, I mean, obviously beautifully orchestrated and choreographed chaos. So I don't know. And, and like you said, using the turntable is this beautiful thing. Seeing the actress who, in the ensemble, who's the bullet moving things through there. Uh, oh seeing the way that John yeah. Groff is when he's, because his, his song, uh, like You'll Be Back, is so upbeat and so funny. And he just stands there. And he's yeah. like spitting. <laughs> and he's so like passionate, but he's so still. And I think there's there's not, especially in musicals, there's not a ton of stillness, I think, um, where there probably should be. And they incorporated it so well. So I think it's so striking seeing the differences between that. Uh, it's just, yeah, I, I completely agree. It's so different than just listening to it, but in such a beautiful way. Like they they truly staged this so well. Um, yeah, I, I love it. So I, um, I kind of go through these phases with Hamilton where I begin to think that maybe it's not as good as I thought it was mm-hmm. after not listening to it for a while. And sure. uh, after originally kind of being obsessed with it along with MJ in what, 2015, 16. Yep. Um, I'm in the I same had, boat, by the way. I had a break. And uh, then before I went and saw the live show, I thought maybe it wasn't that good. And then I saw the live show and was like, no, that was still pretty good. And then <laughs> now there's even been an even longer period between that and uh, now Right. And I began to think, you know, maybe that thing was a little overhyped and we were all crazy. And then I was like, no, nope, <laughs> that's still pretty good. And like, <laughs> I, I almost felt like watching it again, which is not something that I do that often for things. Um, I don't really like things enough to want to see them again, especially immediately after I've seen them. Sure. So, so the fact that like this was there made me realize, oh yeah, no, it, it's pretty good. Like it lives up to the hype. Um, and it was interesting to watch it um, after seeing it live, now seeing the live version with the original cast and seeing them with like some more close-ups. Obviously, you don't get close-ups when you're watching it in a theater. Um, mm-hmm. and, and seeing that, and I mean, I've seen some reviews go and complain about some of the camera angles or cuts chosen, but in general, I, I liked how they did it. Uh, actually, yeah. I, I, was, I was a little bit afraid of like, no, it's just going to be something I've already seen and like, you know, just some different camera angles, but mm-hmm. um, actually seeing their faces and their expressions, like Missy was saying, the fact that they were so restrained sometimes and not showy was actually kind of nice. It was, it was filmed more film like than mm-hmm. you would expect. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes yeah. you expect a, a theatrical production to be um, very demonstrative so that the peanut gallery in the back can see, right. uh, you know, everything but um, the fact that they uh, would not sometimes move as much and they be more film-like in their uh, acting actually enhanced my enjoyment of it. So I came sure. away liking this more than seeing it live, actually. I think I agree with you. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my, one of my complaints is uh, – we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> We'll save that for later. That's very surprising. And I was wondering about having seen it live versus having not seen it live. Yeah. Um, might be an interesting split that's coming up here. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I, and I obviously, the only I thing that was, <laughs> the, the thing that was majorly better for me is I, okay, I, I don't want to be that guy. I love Lin-Manuel Miranda. I think he's incredibly talented as an artist. He is not the world's best singer. Um, Agreed. <laughs> 
And so when I saw it in LA, the guy playing Hamilton also kind of had that kind of nasally affectation, but he had a better voice. And I was like, yes. oh, I was like, I, I don't want to be that person who's saying it, but this guy's like Hamilton is just a little bit better because his singing was better. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. But, but it was nice. But again, seeing it, like Mike was saying, I think that I enjoyed the film one better because I think that Lin-Manuel Miranda's acting, like I loved seeing the vulnerability and his crying, which doesn't come out in the soundtrack. I just kind of mm-hmm. hear his nasally mm-hmm. voice, which again, wrote the entire sound, like, show so i can't be that you know complaining about yeah. it but yeah so I, I, but I, I think i kind of agree like i really liked seeing the original broadway cast in this way filmed a little better because you can also see it up close which is something you usually have to pay so much money to have to be able to do and we get to do it for free which is really cool yeah w- without tripping over you mj because i know you need to speak yeah, um sorry. <laughs> i i agree with uh no that's no, not a problem with missy's i'm following up when yeah, i no, talk um <laughs> it's uh I, I agree with Missy in the sense that I think I think seeing it live made me appreciate some of those performers quite a bit because I do think that the actual singing of the Hamilton um, in the traveling version was better. And there were some yeah. other people who I thought were just as good, if not better, than the sure. original Broadway people also. Um, but then you could go and see the emotion of the original cast yeah. and they kind of trumped uh, the traveling, at least uh, as oh, far yeah. as I could see. <laughs> and right, you, know, right. you have the benefit of camera angles. So that goes a long way too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made me appreciate Lin-Manuel a- acting a little bit more um, yeah. than, than just hearing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, so I have a hot take about one of the people in the cast, but we'll get to that later. Oh. Um, Ooh, these, interesting. All these yeah, things. there was someone that I didn't like as much as a lot of people, and not especially not as much as a yeah. And it's not Lynn. Lynn is like I think everyone's kind of agreed he's the weak link with with the the the, the singing. singing. Yeah. Um, so I suspect it's, it's going to be just because you already broke my heart with Mary Poppins. So I feel like you're <laughs> going to say my favorite character, and I'm not even going to be surprised. Mm-hmm. My, yeah, people yeah. Are, people were not having it. The only t- the only other person I know who's agreed with me is Kristen. Um, and this well, could just be that, this could just be that I'm ignorant of how stage acting works. But once again, teasers. Uh, initial oh, praise. I mean, it's so good. Like it's it's. I, I was predisposed to love it, right? Um, and uh, so my initial thoughts were: put David Diggs and Christopher Jackson in everything. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. One thousand percent. Those guys. They're uh, those two specifically, like the whole cast is great. Um, even the person I have the hot take about, but well, David Diggs is my favorite, so you're already we're past that. So, you're oh, okay, cool. Mary Poppins, right? no, yeah, I, so I'm upset. <laughs> I was I was already obsessed with him anyway. Like, clipping is also amazing. Well, yeah, so I had I liked his songs or his his he doesn't really have a song, but his verses, I guess he has what did I miss? So, I liked right. all that on the soundtrack, and then I saw him on Fallon, I think, nice. and he did a clipping song and I was like, yo, that was pretty good. It so is I checked very out, good. I checked out clipping and I was like, oh, this is my favorite hip hop. Nice. And so mm. I've, like, I'm like, i obsessed with clipping. We yes. had my biggest heartbreak, like the thing that when I get really depressed about the 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 COVID thing yeah. is we had tickets to go see clipping for my birthday. Oh, no. And, oh. Yeah. And That's it was tragic. It was in Berkeley, which is basically a hometown show for them because they're yeah, from. Yeah, because you grew up in Oakland. So, yeah, and so I was like, re- that was the thing where I was like, oh man, like, that which is sucks. absolutely a luxury thing to complain about, but I'm still pretty upset sure. about it because we had seen Blind Spotting and that movie's incredible. If you so haven't good. seen Blind Spotting, you need to see Blind Spotting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
man, that movie's good. And he mm-hmm. wrote. Um, so I already liked him, but man, watching him in this, he's mm-hmm. so magnetic as a performer in every scene he's in. He doesn't steal anything, but he draws it so, without stealing. Yeah, yeah, he's so magnetic. And then Christopher mm-hmm. Jackson, I like I liked Washington. Yeah, that dude is so like the the presence he commands, you know, yeah. just in in his body language and his mm-hmm. voice. Oh my gosh, um, I He's couldn't so believe good. it, man. Yeah. And uh, 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 Kristen's favorite is "You'll Be Back." Like that's her favorite song in the show. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. She loves all the King George songs, but that's like her thing. And so when uh, and it's one two right of like King George and then George Washington, right. And uh, when Christopher Jackson first came out, she was just like, he's better than King George. Yeah. Uh, she, she was like, he's so good. Like, we just didn't expect it. Not that we expected him to be bad, but we were just like, whoa, this right. guy's incredible. And um, so those were my two initial thoughts about the performers. And then I approach anything perform live as a production nerd. I have a history in concert production and um, particularly live sound production, but every aspect of it. Um, So I look for a lot of those things. That was the thing that I think really sent this over the top for me, where it was just like, oh no, this is one of the best artistic achievements, uh, you know, of the decade, millennium, whatever so far. Like the way... The, perf- the the music, the performance, the choreography, the costuming, mm-hmm. the sound design, the lighting design came together Perfect. was incredible. I like I don't think it could be overstated. Like every there were so many lighting cues that I saw that I guarantee you I would not have noticed because I'm not a lighting guy. Um, mm-hmm. that I would not have noticed if I had seen it live, that I'm so glad I got to see in the film performance of it. Sure. Um there is Man, during I, I don't remember if it's ten dual commandments or um when Philip Hamilton um goes to duel, but they make on the turntable they make a target with the lights. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Oh, that's such a good visual beat, man. Like right. that's so good. And then in the room where it happens, the which is a showstopper, I yeah. I was really surprised <laughs> by that number. I was really caught off guard by how good that was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh there's this this cool moment where Burr's standing in the center of the turntable and he's got kind of, he's got chore- or he's got dancers um, kind of making a square around him and they're mm-hmm. dancing. And then he says something about the room. And as he says, the room, these uh, spotlight hits each one of the dancers and they open up in a rectangle to look like a door opening into a room. And yeah. I was like, Oh my God, like, they thought <laughs> of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, so the the way they play with the sound design is amazing with the the microphones during um the cabinet battles the way yeah. that audio switch happens where they mute the mics that are mounted on their over their ear or on top of their head mm-hmm. and get the raw like we're really up on the microphone rap battle noise like yeah. out of the microphone was so good and i knew that they had done that i had heard that that was like the only um besides the whole thing the only like anachronistic thing in the in the in the show so i knew that was coming but then to hear the this difference in the in the microphone sure it really drove it home and it was really like really amazing to hear that um and then just like noticing when people were singing to a track and like to me singing to a track is 
magic as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, you know, there were like, uh, uh, he sings to a little bit of a track in um, Wait For It. And I was like, ah, oh, man, it's got to be so hard to get the timing on that, <laughs> like every night. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were the things that jumped out to me of like, the just like, it is an accomplishment on every single level. The other thing that jumped out to me, not to like jump on the specific stuff the most, was how hard it must be to be in this show because you have to be part of the chorus, a dancer and a stagehand all at Mm -hmm. the same time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then sometimes there are people who have to do all of that, but then have to come out in like a different costume to be like the guy who plays Charles Lee is like throughout the show as part of the the chorus too. And so it's just like, Oh my gosh, like, this this is exhausting and I'm three songs in, <laughs> yeah. you know, just thinking about being part of that production, I think really like it really made me appreciate just everything about it. Like every decision was so carefully managed and thought out and not micromanaged, but just like it seems like everyone made the best decision they possibly could for this piece across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. does anyone else have any specific things they want to talk about? Well, I was going to say, when you brought up Charles Lee, like the, the double casting. So just like as a, as a, as a theater actor, like I cherish roles where I can play more than one person in a show. I think that that is such a fun, like acting challenge for so many people. And I think every actor that does this, and the fact that they're all leads, like they're not like, I, I mean, Charles Lee does. And, and the guy who puts MLC Brie, like, I know that they're also ensemble, but then when you get like the difference between Lafayette and Jefferson or yeah. Hercules Mulligan and Madison mm-hmm. and then Lawrence and, and Philip and, and even uh, Peggy versus when she's uh, Mariah, I it's know. just like, it's incredible. And they're different people to the point that when I was talking to my parents about it, the only one that they knew was the same was Anthony Ramos as uh, John Lawrence and Philip because my mom my mom thought he was handsome and so she recognized his face <laughs> both times but even like David Diggs like there was such a beautiful and distinct difference between their performances as both characters which is is like such a fun thing I think to watch um, actors do and and they just did it so perfectly like I love the double casting I love that they chose to do that and I think that every person they chose did it just absolutely perfectly yeah, kind of bouncing off of what both of you are saying, I think watching this version of it made me come away thinking that some some tracks I didn't think were as good as others were better, and some mm-hmm. of the uh-huh. actors who I didn't appreciate as much were better. And yes. for example, I agree with you, um, MJ, when it comes to Davi Diggs, for example, Tiz Jefferson is way better than I gave him credit for. Yeah, listening to the cast recording, uh, it. It's, it's interesting how like I could have more appreciation for uh, their ability to go and transform themselves. It, and especially I gain more appreciation for the idea of them having uh, doing the dual roles. Cause I kind of didn't quite understand the reason why, besides maybe just cost um, mm-hmm. why they would have them do that. But now I appreciate the, the kind of cleverness of, you know, the Lafayette and Jefferson Francophile kind of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. but also appreciating how, how much they could go and play with those roles and act them out differently is uh, something that I really came away feeling differently about and appreciating the music uh, portion of it more uh, because I could now appreciate the acting portion of it as well. So it kind of became this weird feedback loop, which uh, it was interesting. 
Well, what about you, Corey? What are some uh, specifics that you were digging? Yeah, um, I think just from a cinematography uh, standpoint, and I know some of you mentioned this, but I just thought it was shot really well and Mm -hmm. shot in a sense where it's like I've seen a I've seen a decent amount of like live theater and musicals and stuff. Um, But yeah, there that is kind of one of the the I, I wouldn't say problems, but it's just part of it. It's just like you tend to when you do musical theater, you have to kind of almost overemphasize your acting so everyone can see but right. like the way the way that they acted in this they don't they don't really lean into that but then also how this was filmed it feels more like filmic in the sense mm-hmm. of like you get close-ups and you get like medium shots where you're able to see more of their face and like them emote and i love that you know i is hearing the original recording so many times and it's like literally knowing like you know beat for beat and like (laughs) vocal cues and pitches and everything it was really cool to watch this and how it was filmed where it's like you could see like when people would have like a break in their voice but it was like a purpose like intentional choice it's like oh they're crying or it's Mm -hmm. like oh this per you know like king george it's like oh he spat that line as opposed (laughs) to you know on the recording on the broadway recording you're trying you want to get some of that inflection but you're really trying to like make it studio quality where it's like in a show it's like you want to get the the acting across. So I just thought the the cinematography was super well done and just really helped um, magnify the actors like they're acting. And so a lot more of the emotion I felt like came across, which is that's a huge compliment because I feel like the songwriting and just the way the story is told in the show already a ton of emotion comes across. So mm-hmm. to have that even you know, more pronounced because of the cinematography is just a huge win. Yeah. Well, I remember, um, like, I think MJ, you had brought up the uh, showing it in the theaters. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I forget whatever the heck it's called. Anyway, I, like, I remember watching. That's it. <laughs> I was like, why can I not remember that name? Um, I remember watching, like, when Rent, right before it went off Broadway, they put it into theaters. And I remember watching it at Edwards. And honestly, I didn't, I didn't think it was shot super well, but I was so excited to see it because I'd only until then seen like community productions of Rent, which were subpar. And so like I was so excited just to see it. But the fact that this is something that people can see and I'm like, I totally agree with you guys. I think it was also happened to have been shot very well was nice. Like it adds to the fact that this is already a great show and it's such a privilege to be able to see it for such a small cost. But then the fact that they actually shot it really well when they didn't really have to, they could have just kind of shot at concert style and i'm sure we all yep. would have been very thrilled to see it um but they they put so much care into it, it was such a beautiful thing well and thomas kale directed it too directed yeah. the the cameras which really impressed me because yeah. i don't know how much experience he has doing stuff like that sure but for the most part it's like when the camera moves in or when it pulls out it's like it's very appropriate and fitting. You're like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're watching like, you know, maybe you're in like a medium wide and you're like, it would be really great if we went to a a medium close here or a close on this person's face or like punch in for that conversation. And most of the time I like, it does that. I'm never, I wasn't watching them like, man, I really wish they would have, you know, chose this different angle. Most of the Mm -hmm. time I just was, it, it go like the camera went where I wanted it to go. And like, that just, again, helped to keep me immersed in the show. Right. 
Well, and I think like with theater directors in particular, the times I've directed, it's like you you stage things in hopes and you light things in hopes that the audience will look where you want them to look at that specific time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's nice that he had the chance to be like, hey, I want you to look here. You're going to look here because that might not always happen. And people miss things in theater because, you know, we're, we're looking at so much going on at once. So I think, yeah, it's it's cool that he got to kind of direct it in that way and let us see everything that he wanted us to see. And it happened to be, I think, like he said, like it felt natural what we wanted to see on our own. Yeah, like I think there's instances like one of the ones that came to mind was like the the hurricane song. There yes. was time oh that that song that song is so intimate and like you need like I think it's benefited that we're able to get in close and see Lin Manuel acting and like see his face in the moat. But then there's so much going on like with the background people and then like when it's like how they're using that to like demonstrate the the idea of the hurricane so Mm -hmm. it's like that is like Mm -hmm. he clearly knew like where to be like we need to be tight here we need to pull out here like Mm -hmm. so there was just a lot of those types of moments in the show where it's like yeah they he knew what he wanted well and some of that stuff also made me appreciate the minimalism that they go for in the play itself yeah Mm -hmm. um because i'll tell you up front when I kind of heard that there wasn't like a lot of set changes or, you know, there's not really anything in the form of scenery. I was initially pretty disappointed when I first heard about like the theatrical version. Cause I thought, mm. well, that's a big missed opportunity. Like why, what am I getting out of this that I don't get out of just like listening to the soundtrack then mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not like a huge fan of abstract or minimalism, mm-hmm. but I have to say, now, after seeing it, you know, both live and also, you know, a theatrical version that's been filmed, I, that like qualm has completely disappeared. I actually don't think that much about um, the fact that there's no real sets or, you know, there's not like a battleground set or this or that. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my mind really does go and fill in the blanks. And I think that's a testament to how the show itself is staged mm-hmm. and then, and then how this was filmed that. I, I perfectly knew where they were at almost all times, which is yeah. pretty impressive. And I mean, credit also goes to Lynn Manuel Miranda's lyrics for kind of providing like a pr- an appropriate feeling of where the setting is or a mood is mm-hmm. conveys that just in words and the music. Uh, but I, I have zero qualms about how it's set up now. And that's pretty hard for me to overcome that feeling. Yeah, I think the the also what goes a long way to it is the lighting and the sound mm-hmm. design yeah. are mm-hmm. also like so transportive. Like, you know, I, I mean, like I was talking about with the, the 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 target and the door and like the the background people. Like you you feel like in the duels, like you feel like you see them in the background on horses, ready to like disperse as soon as George Washington shows up. Mm-hmm. And you know, there are no horses on stage, but like the illusion that they have makes it seem like that. I don't know. Um, and so you can. And I think you can also, uh, you know, almost in a, in like the, the way I talk about Joker, but a good way you can kind of, it has like these little pockets you can kind of mentally fill in mm-hmm. of what the battlefield look like of what the, you know, there's these little like cargo short pockets. And I think, you know, where, <laughs> it, back gets, the cargo shorts. Right, where it gets right over Joker is they're not thematic. Like it's very clear in its communication of what it's about capital letters, right. but I think that, you know, it lets you have some fun and, and go into this, like, you know, uh, 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 maybe a little pretentious and, and labored sounding theater of the mind while you're in the theater. 
as well. Like it's this really good marriage of both of those things of your imagination and then what's in front of you. Um, and then also to tag up Corey on what you were talking about, about the, and kind of what everyone's talking about, about the heightened emotion. Mm-hmm. I also didn't realize how funny the show was. Yeah. Um, sure. there were just like a lot of things that are, you know, because everyone recorded just like in a booth with backtracks, like through headphones or whatever, that are jokes that I didn't understand were jokes until I saw a cast do it bouncing off of each other. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like even like in, uh, oh gosh, the story of tonight, uh, reprise when, when the Hamilton's getting married, like I, had always known they were drunk, but it was like way funnier watching them like way like blow out mm-hmm. how drunk they were. Mm-hmm. And like Anthony mm-hmm. Ramos, like with his arm around Burr, like doing the I heard you have a special someone on the side, like cracked me <laughs> up. It was so funny. And like I didn't realize how freaking funny Jefferson was. Like, and Jefferson oh and Madison. I didn't realize how funny Madison was. Um, yeah, he was my least favorite character when I listened to the soundtrack. I was like, you are a wet blanket. And yeah. like I know that you're Hercules Mulligan, but you're so boring. And then watching it, like, he has to be because his deadpan against uh, David Diggs playing just a live wire as Jefferson is hilarious. Yeah. Like, they, they're such a funny pair to watch together. Yeah. And he really, like, he really works that, like, man of few words mm-hmm. thing uh, really to his advantage. So, like, when he says something, like, you know, it had to be said. Sure. And they use it for comedic effect. So, like, I never really understood. It always seemed kind of almost like a non sequitur out of place to me at the end of the cabinet battle where he's like such a blender. Sometimes it makes me wonder uh, why I even bring the thunder. And I was like, why are you just making a reference to like old hip hop songs? Well, he's like the right hype now. guy. Is, I don't, is Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then seeing him do it, I was like, oh, it's a button. Like it's this funny little button to like mm-hmm. wrap up everything. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, just like, like David <laughs> bouncing on his ass on the table singing so the be president now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so right. Yeah. What a um, treasure. So, ah, the best. Uh I really want to watch that Snowpiercer show and I didn't like the movie. So uh, <laughs> Did you watch it? Uh, I'm watching it right now. It, uh, it's okay. Sure. <laughs> He, they they subdue like some of the best parts about Davi Diggs. He has ah, to play a very aw. monotone, restrained character, so not the best utilization of his skills. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to him playing Frederick Douglass in that Stars TV show later on this year. Ooh, oh, that'd be that good. should be yeah. great. Yeah, it looks the if you get I don't remember the name of the show, but it looks real good. Yeah. Um, and him and Rafael Casal uh, are both in it. Uh, Rafael Casal is who he wrote Blind Spotting with. Yeah. Um, and who's the the co lead in that movie with him? They're yeah. both in it, and I think they're both executive producing it too. Nice. So if you like Blind Spotting, you'll probably like. Um, yeah. That's exciting. Sure. Yep. Uh, did you guys have any criticisms? Anything you didn't like? Okay. Um, I will start. I will say, and this is after. Liking something for so long and listening to for so long, inevitably criticisms pop up. Like even my favorite things, I will eventually find something that like to nitpick or dislike about it. Um, So this is nothing that's major, but I do have to say that uh, I don't think that the first half, I don't know how to say this, story narrative is not as good as the second half. Now, uh, I agree with that. I, I think we can talk about the songs maybe being superior in the first half versus second half or something like that. There's, 
or is it the catchier quality of the first half and the second half? That's yeah, I feel the opposite, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get well, to that. Well, I, I, actually, I kind of maybe agree with you, but I hear from a lot of people that they maybe prefer the first half more. Yes. Um, I I think it's, it, it takes a while for me to really buy into like liking Hamilton or getting mm-hmm. into the plot. Like it kind of just feels like a cliff notes of things happening initially. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think it kind of steers the sh- steers itself right toward the end of the first half it's not just like oh if it's good in the second half only it as the war wraps up and all that stuff i think it gets stronger and clearer but because it's mm-hmm. trying to do too much sometimes i mean it's buying off a lot <laughs> yeah. so many characters and stories that it's trying to tell at once i think it kind of buckles under its weight a bit i mean it's smoothed over by the fact that the music's really good but i, I don't really like quite like uh like Lafayette or Lawrence or, or anybody that much. Like when, when like some of them die, I'm, I'm like, whatever. I don't really care. Cause I haven't really bought into like Hamilton's relationship with them. I mean, also just in general, we go from like the scene of Hamilton being introduced to Eliza, to him marrying her. And it, I could, you know, within the, like the next scene. So I'm not quite sure. Like I, get it like into their relationship that much until later and partially that's just because the music's so damn good i kind of <laughs> force my my emotions into it um but like i mean, I don't quite get like why they like each other that much uh so there's little things like that i'm beginning to pick up on that that bother me um not not enough to like derail it uh but some of the character work i think gets clearer and the the direction of the narrative gets clearer in the second half to the point that I prefer that portion of the movie more or the mm. musical more. Oh, I just killed all conversation. MJ, <laughs> yeah, I can well, sense I, MJ wants to say something. So my, my, the, my argument to that is there is, I like the propulsivity of the first act a lot. Mm-hmm. I like that. It kind of feels like a cliff notes version. Like it feels like, it feels like an action movie kind of yeah. like uh, weird comparison, but like Mark, like the book, like the book of the Bible, Mark, where it's yeah, just yeah. like, and then Jesus did this and then Jesus did that. And then Jesus did this. And then Jesus did that. And mm-hmm. I like reading that. Um, Or as, especially if you're going to try to get someone used to, you know, reading something like that, or just try sure. to like have a mass appeal of trying to get, some, like if, if, if I'm talking to someone who's like a new Christian or whatever, I tell them yeah. when they want to learn more about Jesus, I tell them to read Mark because it's like action Jesus, you know, he's just always hmm. doing stuff. <laughs> and then, and I feel like the same thing happens in the first half of Hamilton where it's just like, it's just like thing after thing after thing. And so it's just kind of this breakneck thing that really keeps it exciting and keeps it moving. And I find that it slows down almost a little too much for me in the second half. Mm. Um, and so not that the second half is bad by any, I feel like this is one of those episodes where like any criticism we have makes it sound like we hate it way more than we do. Right. Uh, and so I just like blanket statement. That's not the case, but like Mike said, when you <laughs> love something like yes. you, like you, you do eventually find like there's stuff in jaws. I don't like, right. There's stuff in the dark. Mm-hmm. Night I, don't like. no, um, I don't, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I like that. It, it, and to me, it also conveys like the sense of urgency of getting through the American revolution mm-hmm. of like, we got to make this happen. And I think they also address it too um, in the song, my shot. Like when he says like, uh, 
where I come from, some get half as many. Like it's it, it's kind of in the mind of Hamilton of like we gotta get this done, you know. Like they mm-hmm. gotta go, you know, gotta get the job done. Gotta start a new nation. Gotta meet my son. Like he's just like got so much like as a person or character that he wants to do, and he 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 like has this plan for his life, especially now that he's come out of this despondency and has like a new lease on life and a clean slate and a second shot at this. He's just like let's make it happen. I'm running out of time. Mm-hmm. so i that's how i've always viewed the the first half but i like the second half better i like them both yeah. I, no, I don't like them both i love them both i know a lot of people like the first act better and and again this is like describing the difference between like an a plus and an a or an a and an a minus like mm-hmm. i i love the first half um but i think like the second half so it just like as a female, I, I recognize that it probably some of my partiality is that like I, I will sing through this entire soundtrack to the yeah. point that I sound schizophrenic because I'm singing every part that I can yeah. without like being a Tibetan monk and being able to modulate my voice so that it's doing two things at once. Um, like I'm singing everything. And so I, I think some of the better female songs are in act two. But burn. I also burn. think Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, they're so good and and the thing is is like and it's funny because talking to my mom my mom's favorite character is eliza and and in talking to her about it i'm like you know what like eliza is not even the unsung hero she's very clearly like the hero at the very end in the finale like she's the one who gets that first bow because she is the one who has carried on this legacy and i like like mike it kind of going back to what you were saying in the first act it's kind of like she's you know a, a woman of that time where it's you kind of have to marry and they meet each other and they get married. They're infatuated immediately and they get married and that's fine. And mm. you can tell that she loves her husband or whatever and she gets pregnant. But act two, like she shines and you see mm-hmm. so much range in, in the forgiveness that she shows after what he did and and the grace that she's showing and, and the grace that shows after her son is killed. It's just like she in particular, I think, is an incredible powerhouse in act two. I think uh, Angelica shows a lot more range. So it's it's nice with the characters that aren't being doubled. We see just this huge amount of growth and, and the change in Aaron Burr as they, his, him and Hamilton starting out as friends. I don't know. I think there's just so many exciting things happening in Act Two, even if it gets a little bit slower. Yeah. Um, I truly like. I love the arcs that we're seeing and the characters that have carried over. And then I also really just enjoy the differences between the ones who have been doubled, like Peggy is a nothing character. I mean, we were joking about it in our, our group text the other day, how my mom couldn't remember the sister's name. So it was Hamilton's wife, the older sister, and then the other one. <laughs> and the other one, I think, shines in oh. uh, no to this. She has an incredible voice that's so soulful and beautiful. So it's, I don't know, like, as a female, not even to make it just a female thing, like, I, I love the women in Act 2, and I love what they get to go through. But I think the characters really get a really nice, juicy arc um, and kind of finish to everything in Act 2 that I really appreciate. So that's kind of my preferred one of the two, even though I love Act 1. So, yeah, that's my two cents. Also, Act 2 is a bummer, so <laughs> that might have something to do with it, too. Like, I just always so that's sad life, MJ. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, like, I, that's a tough question, and I don't think I've really thought through that until you guys brought it up now, but, I mean, they're, I feel like they're just, like, they serve different functions for me. It's a whole overarching story, but I feel like Act 1 is more of, like, the hook, there is the propulsive nature of it, MJ, like you're saying, we're meeting a lot of the characters uh, Mike, I get what you're saying. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on, so that can mm-hmm. feel a little bit overwhelming. 
Um, but I feel like it gives you like the tenets that you need at the beginning to be like, here are the main players. Mm-hmm. Here's kind of what's going on. We have to blaze through a lot of history. So it is kind of like sound bites. But you do get a couple of those like pivotal moments of, you know, Hamilton and Burr and like you understand like what is their rhetoric you know like why does hamilton function the way he does like what is burr you know like how does he process when we hear his song and then like yeah like i feel like it starts very wide and it starts to narrow so by the time you get to like that last number like non-stop it it does set up pretty well for the second half right and and so like it kind of hooks you draws you in like kind of narrows the focus to like it's going to be about these these core characters and then yeah the second half i feel like really brings a lot of the like the pathos not Mm -hmm. like that there's no emotion in the first half because there is but i think that is really where a lot of the you see characters choices and more of their regrets about things and more of their like internal processes Mm -hmm. and so I, I think like so it's it's kind of hard for me to say which one I prefer. Like on some days it might be like I am feeling more introspective and I don't know emotionally heavy. So like I want to listen to a song like Burn or sure. I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean like there's still some there's still some great you know I guess upbeat energetic like Room Where It Happens. I love that song. Mm-hmm. But yeah like the first half definitely has is this, I guess, more like energetic hook you, bring you into it. You know, it takes a while before you get, I guess, some of those emotional songs. But I mean, like act two, it's like, you know, like some of the songs in that, like, I just, I love all the emotion behind them. Like Washington, like, you know, one oh last my time. Gosh. Mm-hmm. I cry it's, every time. It's so good. <laughs> it uh, is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's my two cents about, you know, act one and two. Yeah. Uh, what about criticisms? You, Missy and Corey, do you guys have any? Corey, go ahead. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's just because I tend to be a glass half full guy. I mean, like if things are wrong and I don't like them, I will say it. But it, it's it's very like for me it feels like very near perfect um Mm -hmm. like and you know and some people would say like oh well no piece of art can be perfect or whatever so that's why i would say near perfect mj earlier when you were outlining like you feel like everybody made the best choice possible in every avenue of Mm -hmm. this thing that's Mm -hmm. that's how i feel like i feel like the aesthetics the lighting the acting the music the performances, like everything. I think it's, it's near the best it could be, you know, I, so it's really hard for me to look at this and I don't know, have like, it would, it would honestly be nitpicking. Like I, I, we watched the movie like when it came out July 3rd. And then I was like, okay, what am I going to say on the podcast? Like, I don't, I don't, (laughs) like, I don't, I don't know. Like it's incredible. It's so good. Like, right. do I even have nitpicks? With I don't. I don't know really. I, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why I'm like, I'm curious to hear some of the things that you guys said because I'm like, I just, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and like, I love being immersed in the world and I honestly think like 
from like a piece of artwork um it just is going to have an enduring legacy and like just the caliber of what was created on all fronts i don't like i'm sure something could be created but like i feel like it will be a while before something matches like what hamilton has been able to produce not just like in like the cultural yeah. phenomena but like it it had it had such excellence behind it like yeah. that it, it's hard to match that i mean like anything can come up and trend in our culture nowadays you know for whatever reason but like this i feel like it it trended because of a lot of different reasons but like at the core of it it was because it was so well done and it was so well crafted so well executed so all that to say i don't really have any criticisms for this version of it yeah, I'm of a similar mindset, I think, um, especially uh, coming from like a theater background, like the last show that I truly remember kind of breaching that wall of theater where like you have to kind of vault over because obviously theater people will like theater shows and that's it's fine. Like we're kind of in that little zone. But to go over that and have the general public like it, the last thing I can remember was Wicked which was yeah. over a decade before <clears throat> Hamilton came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and even that, which I've actually seen like a couple times and before then was probably one of my favorite shows to have seen, like Hamilton is better. And it's, it's mm-hmm. like where you're saying, it's hard to find something that didn't like, apart from the obvious that if, again, if we want to get nitpicky, Lin-Manuel Miranda's voice is not the best. Uh, sure. It's very nasally. Uh, but again like he he wrote the show and and something that was very striking to me i remember from watching i think a pbs documentary on hamilton was him talking about and and this is something that i i love i've been able to talk to other people about in in regards to why was everybody uh, a person of color like why were none of the founding fathers who were you know we as we know were white men why were they all people of color and in watching his his interview in this documentary he was saying um as a latino actor growing up within the theater he knew the only roles he could ever get were either as a shark in West Side Story or as uh, Don Quixote and like Man of La Mancha when he became <laughs> older. And so that's why he originally wrote like In the Heights. And that's why he wrote Hamilton the way that he did. So it's like even him casting himself in it, like I, I understand from his perspective of what he said, like obviously I can't fully empathize as like a, a white woman acting in you know theater. Um, but like even then, like I can't fault him for not having the best voice because he's like allowing himself and other people like him to now have the opportunity to, to play this amazing role that, that probably would have been whitewashed in a lot of other theaters. So it's, it's really hard as much as I want to try to, to find things that I don't like because I think they truly did so many things. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm really, really, really glad that this is something that's now been like available to the masses because I think too little of theater is shown on a, mm-hmm. a mass scale. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. awesome that something that was so well done is now available for so many people to see. And it's such an important story as well. So, yeah, not not to be the person who's like, I can't think of any weaknesses with this, but there are, there are very few apart from maybe Lynn's voice not being the best. But even then, his acting, I think, makes up for it. I think his emotionality is, is very much there. And, you know, I mean, and that's the thing about Broadway, right, is that if we're trying to convey real stories, not every person in real life has a great voice. And so him not having the best voice is not necessarily the worst thing, um, because if we're being realistic, not everyone does. So that's that's OK. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, so I have I have one criticism about the, they're both technically with this specific version of it. Um, mm-hmm. 
The first one is the camera work, and I'm not saying that it's bad by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's just it's it's a limitation of filming something like this, and it's also because I haven't seen it live. I think I think it's something that if I see it live, uh, would be alleviated. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see any of the background people that much. Um, Yeah, uh, no, that's fair. That's a good point. That is fair. And like, that's part of it, you know? And so Mm -hmm. um, I completely understand why. Um, And I love that they did film it to where we can see the main players acting. But also Mm -hmm. part of the show is this stuff happening around the main players. Like that's a part Mm -hmm. of the, the, the piece. And so... Um, there's just a lot of close-ups in it and a lot of shots. And it, like I said, I don't have any problems with the camera. I know a lot of people I've heard didn't like uh, the camera they hid in the wall uh, in the back. But one, I thought it was great every time they used it. And two, they used it like three times. Yeah, they didn't the use whole it whole thing. Yeah. Um, but so I didn't have a problem specifically with like how they chose to film it necessarily or what they chose to highlight. And I did like getting to be so intimate with them, but it also, as someone who hasn't seen it live, was maybe a little too intimate um, mm-hmm. just because I couldn't see the dancers in the background or the, you know, what the ensemble was doing or like them switching out the the props. Once again, you're not supposed to notice that thing, but I'm a production guy, so I'm inherently going to notice it. Like Kristen gets a little annoyed with me when we go see places where I'm like, oh, there's that road case and that road case and that road case, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, which like I always see the stuff there that you're not supposed to see because I work behind the scenes on a lot of stuff. And so um, I wanted to see more of that because that's one of my favorite, that's like that in, in uh, contributes to my enjoyment of something is sure. being able to see the production team at work and see, and because the ensemble is part of the production team in this, um, there were just a lot of times where the table appeared or the, barrel appeared or the chair appeared and it wasn't that my brain just skipped over that it was that i legit didn't get them in the camera seeing that and that was something i wanted to watch so that's a very specific thing it doesn't affect my enjoyment of it whatsoever but it is like i think that's very fair um and i'm gonna say as somebody who's been cast in a lot of ensemble roles like throughout my career since i like first started acting it's yeah, when I do watch shows, I love watching the ensemble. And I think a lot of people do. So I, I think that's that's definitely a very fair criticism to bring up. Yeah. Uh here's my hot take. And this could be about the shows they chose to perform. They've been doing it for over a year, eight times a week at this point. You're exhausted. Your voice is exhausted. I didn't love Le- I didn't love Leslie Oldham Jr. I had a feeling you were going to go there. Interesting. Yeah. He was was better in the second act. He was way better in the second act, I thought. Hmm. Um, But his voice just sounded, I don't know. Kristen brought up that it almost sounded like he was, like there was almost a preservation technique going on with him. Like Mm -hmm. it sounded just like he was very forward on his vocal cords when he would talk, specifically when he would rap. He also had, uh, and this, I, I, the guy can't help it. I guess this is gonna sound really mean. Yeah, after gonna talk about, I know what you're gonna say. Go is ahead. this? Oh no. Okay. What yeah. Were you gonna well, say? Uh, I, well, I'll I'll reveal <laughs> later. <laughs> okay. I, wow. 
I whenever thought you were going to talk about like his, he had like a very reedy voice because like he, he, he like he has a very like bright smile and I think it's partially ha- like how it influences how he sings. Yeah, so. it, it, well, and it just kind of looked like the lights were affecting him and stuff. Like I didn't. This is going to sound way meaner than I mean. Like I didn't like his facial expressions and a lot of this stuff. Like it, I didn't get like a lot of the stuff he was trying to convey. He's a much better singer than he is a rapper. On top of that, um, so. I just felt like, yeah, like you said, he had like kind of a reedy voice and it sounded like he was just very like forward on his palate, like with the words coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just like, it was really distracting. And then every time he said Alexander, there was like a lisp that I had heard. Um, like it, it sounded like he had, it was saying like Alexander and it <laughs> really, like it, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. Uh, like I said, everyone I brought this up to has told me I'm a moron, except for Kristen. Who all <laughs> um, and so it was really interesting to be like, and once again, I think the emotionality still comes through, especially in the second half when you see him become like the enemy of uh, like when he decides like, okay, this is on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it absolutely comes through. I don't think it affects, you know, the, 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 the overall con- conveyance of, of what the play is about by any stretch of the imagination, but it was just really interesting to me because I had heard, I guess I had had like a certain way that I had expected him to be. Well, he won the Tony for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so once again, it it almost sounded like he had suffered some sort of an injury or he might've been sick or something like it did not sound how I've heard him sing on other side. I've listened to his album. It did. Mm-hmm. His voice did not sound like the way it did on his Christmas album. His voice didn't sound like there's a video that they did on Facebook of him just singing, wait for it. Acapella. Mm-hmm. I don't remember his voice sounding like that when he did that. So I don't know if it was one of those things where it was like, well, man, like we already have it scheduled to film. Um, right. So, and so, like I said, it could just be the night that it was there um, that they, 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 the nights that they had chosen to film because they filmed it over two nights. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't know, but uh, I had heard it and I was like, that's, I mean, that doesn't sound like how I feel like it sounds on the, on the, on the recording and not everything did, but like everything was fairly close except for him. And Kristen was like, yeah, it sounded like something was going on with him. So I don't know. Uh, I, okay. First of all, you're a moron, but second of all, no, okay. <laughs> oh. uh, no, just repeating what everyone else was saying. Um, uh, I see what you're saying. Um, I don't think it was his best night. That's for sure. Uh, I, I do think you could tell his voice was straining in mm-hmm. a way that it does not come across in the cast recording. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I still came away with feeling that he was, one of the stronger aspects of the show mm-hmm. um in, in general i mean I, yeah you have all the showy people you know you have your thomas jefferson's and king george and all that stuff and those are probably frequently cited as people's favorites because they're you know showy and demonstrative but i think he's the heart and soul of the thing and yeah. I, I really yeah. do think that um he's he's still arguably my favorite part uh i i think that part of uh the problem that you have with the beginning is just the issue with the whole beginning which is there's just so much going on um mm-hmm. and th- more of the characters mm-hmm. like missy was saying uh they shine more uh in the second half or where or, or, or Corey was saying too is just they carry over and so you spend more time with them mm-hmm. um and, and i think that's also important and you just kind of see you get, begin to see the bubbling anger and darkness inside him which is uh which is good which is the reason why you mj felt like he uh, perceived him getting better as it went on Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
that being said, I, I understand when it comes to just the vocals that he definitely did not seem like he was at his healthiest or yeah. at his best. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is like, he's such a standout on the cast recording and like, mm-hmm. I have a, you know, once again, music production background, I have a pretty good ear for when they put a ton of like, you know, pro tools on stuff and there's not a lot going. I mean, it's pretty basic on the cast recording. And so hearing that, I was like, Whoa, that sounds way different. And like, I know they didn't just like, you know, pro tools him into being good, you know, right. and also like everything about this is casted so well and um, perfectly that like, I, I feel like there, there was something going on. Um, I, I don't think you're a moron. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't think you think I'm a moron cause I don't like Mary Poppins. Yes. That is true. <laughs> um, I, when you started saying it, like, I, I know what you mean. He definitely sounded different than the cast recording. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and as you guys were kind of both talking about it, that kind of reedy quality. And like, one thing that I noticed is that like plastered smile, which initially I was like, why does he have the same expression? And I'm like, oh, because that's who he is as a man. Like he has to have mm-hmm. that fake plastered on smile throughout and it was the most powerful when Hamilton gives his vote to Jefferson instead of him. And he still has that smile on his face and, and it's like the dead behind the eyes, but the smile is still there. And mm-hmm. I, I know just like as a singer, like smiling in and of itself kind of produces a, a lesser quality typically when it's coming out of your mouth. So I don't know if yep. like it's a well, it raises of... your yeah, like it it raises your soft palate and it, yep. that's how you get a more nasal front right. uh, projection. Yeah, so it's like, I, I don't know if it's a mix of maybe it wasn't the best nights for him and mixed with the fact that when you can record in a studio, you don't have to act and you can mm-hmm. do everything you can to produce the best like tonal quality to everything. And then when you kind of see it in person, because I, I mean, I would argue probably most of them sound maybe just a little bit, even if it's like incrementally worse, if sure. we want to call it that, than, than on their mm-hmm. you know cast recording, because those are ideal uh you know, environments rather than acting and singing and dancing all the time. So I don't know. I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I think having now seen him act it out, like it, it's a little more understandable that the tonal quality wasn't quite there because of this choice that he, and I'm sure the director worked on to make throughout the show where right. he kind of has that smiling, like things are forced out of my mouth because that's who I am is I have to force these things out. Cause I can't show how I really feel. So I don't know. I, I don't think you're a moron, as I said, because <laughs> I, I think that it's a, it's a valid complaint because it did sound a little different than the recording, but I understand why, I think, or at least if that's the reason why that makes a little more sense to me. No, that's a good point. I hadn't I hadn't considered that, that the smiling would uh, affect his voice that way, but it totally would. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just like, gosh, man, like, like we, I think that's the thing, looking at this, show it's two hours and 40 minutes uh Mm -hmm. it's so much like it just i was i was looking at it as you know i'm not a performer but uh unless mike's making a movie and then uh (laughs) yeah you are and then i am but (laughs) your star baby (laughs) (laughs) and i made you one yeah (laughs) um yeah, and you know, like I said, it's our go-to road trip music, and it's definitely like in the car you're doing every part, or like I'm Hamilton and Kristen's Burr. We settled into those, right? And uh, I love during that. during I Aaron Burr, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, like I can like 
and and I can do the guns and ships rap. So I know how to sing the thing. But I was watching them like yes. walking, like running around the stage and like the added layer of performance. And I was like, I am out of breath. Like, I yeah. I don't understand what we've been like. We've been playing a lot of tennis lately and like 15 minutes in I'm I'm spent. So I can't imagine doing that in those heavy costumes for two hours and 40 minutes. And you have to sing on top of that. It's bananas. <laughs> Feeder man. Yes. That's why we're the highest art form. Everybody else sucks. But it is really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would add my two cents to, you know, MJ, what you said, and then Missy, what you said about um, just some of the different tonal quality. And like, you know, it it is possible, you know, it might not have been his best night. But, you know, from from my background and doing like, you know, sound production and like live stuff um and one of the things that i enjoy when i listen to music is like how a live production of something like you know a live recording of a band sounds different from a studio album and like right. they're two yeah in my mind they're two different things like yeah they're they're recordings of the same songs but it's like how you approach them is differently and so some of the the ways that this was recorded and like, you know, people are like, Oh, like it sounds exactly like the album. It's like, yeah, like for the most part, but like there was the element of live to mm-hmm. it. And so like some of the, if you want to call them discrepancies, like, and, and and that's where it's like so hard. It's like miss you. Like you were saying, like if, if you want to say they sounded kind of worse, mm-hmm. like whatever you want to label that I, felt like that was more of them saying like we don't want to mix this entirely like a studio album because you lose some of the like emotion that comes across when someone like has a break in their voice when they're crying when they are trying to like put something more forward in their their voice to like articulate something you lose some of that and so like even like some of the inclusion of like the audience mics and stuff like that i was like Mm -hmm. this was it was thought out and planned like we're going to mix this as more of a like a live thing we're not going to try to you know obviously like we don't want people singing you know (laughs) off pitch and like you know any of that but like we want it to feel more like it's live like the sound would feel like reverberating through a space like this you know so that's kind of what i chalked up some of those discrepancies or like if it didn't sound exactly like the studio album and i i personally like like that i love live albums like i listen to them for that sense of like energy and kind of what you could call it rawness you know Mm -hmm. so that's kind of that's kind of how i uh experienced this yeah well i think the other thing too now that you're talking about the mixing and stuff um, one of the things, this is a little in the inside baseball, so I'm sorry, but he uses a different mic than a lot of every, uh, a lot of the other main players. Um, he, he being, uh, yeah, oh, no, okay, no, 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 okay, okay. Leslie Odom Jr. He, uh, he uses the countryman over the ear mic, yeah. um, yeah. instead of the, the, I don't the know what it's called. The, yeah, the forehead mic. I don't know. That's what the, a technical term. No, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what they, they call it. I've never had to use one, so I've never had to call it by its name. But I always um, do it over the air, so I'm not sure either. <laughs> yeah. And so especially because he's playing off of 
Lynn, who's got the one that's hidden in his hair, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you're just getting the sound from two completely different spots on them. You can hear sure. it really, you can hear it a lot in Dear Theodosia because it's just them on the stage. Yeah. Um, but I think that is, could also be it too. Like mm-hmm. he, he sings more forward on his, on his vocal cords mm-hmm. um, as a result of the smiling. But then you have the mic that's coming over his ear and really like next to his mouth. So right. you get all of that mouth noise out of it whereas when you have the forehead mic you're getting less of it because you're just getting the stuff that's reverberating in the skull mm-hmm. and yeah you're getting the, more of the resonance yeah yes yeah exactly and so i think that might be it too he just sounds way different than most of the main players sure um because of the mic he's using mm-hmm. so uh i hadn't considered that either so it could be it could just be the the mic he has to use because he you know he doesn't have He's the bald. <laughs> yeah yeah because he doesn't have the hairline to yeah to <laughs> yeah very well, maybe distracting just, maybe just learn to sing less smile more there you go no nope. <laughs> yeah Wait, uh, nope. i think i think you want that flip i think you uh, want that uh, dang it never mind I tried. <laughs> smile less sing my ass it's fine. <laughs> yeah. we knew what you meant yeah, uh, yeah do you guys have anything else to add about hamilton uh, it's a work of genius by a genius, uh, starring geniuses. <laughs> yep. Correct. Uh, go see theater once the world opens up again. Um, go see community theater in particular because real theater. Well, nope, that's not what I meant nope. to say. Community <laughs> theater, real theater. <laughs> um, I would say, but professional theater is very expensive. Uh, you know what? You can see a lot of really great shows in your community. Go support that. I think there are too many, as we, as we've seen through this, there's too many great stories being told in the theater that are kind of, I think, withheld from the general masses because it's such an expensive art form to go partake in. Uh, so go see more community shows, go support local actors once things open up again. Um, yeah, that's my spiel and stick with it. But yeah, Hamilton is incredible. And hopefully I, I'm, I'm thinking a lot of people are seeing that and I hope they have more of an interest in theater now from it. Um, I will, I guess, as we're wrapping up, just kind of pose this ending question um, just for each of us in our different, you know, places. How how have you observed Hamilton, um, just like the impact that it's had on our culture or people, you know, um, you know, whether you want to talk about like how has it impacted theater, how is it? you know, maybe people that, you know, who like would never have listened to something like this. I'm just curious. Um, I, I, sorry, I'll take the lead on this question. Um, I have kind of two things that I've been thinking about it. America's in a weird spot right now, everyone. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. I don't want to get overly political about it, but no, anyway, but... we'll talk about it anyway. Yeah. So I want to address it personally first on a personal level. Um, this is going to get kind of real for a second. Um, I struggle with a lot of anxiety and depression and mental health stuff. Um, and I don't like it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Hamilton, this is a really weird. Uh, Hamilton makes me want to be a better person. Um, mm. It just as, as a show, like thematically, I think it, 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 it um, I know it's weird because like it, it's a very warts and all presentation about this this man and and these people and 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 I think it's good, uh, but it, it like it hit at a really um, good time for me. This this Disney Plus drop like it's been pretty hard uh, 
lately it seems like the mental health stuff has been kind of on a rampage uh yeah, with me and that. then um you know i just miss everyone i think mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know it's just been hard not seeing everyone and and that hasn't helped but I, i'm going through some other stuff that's kind of kicked it up and I, I think it was a good reminder watching it of just like because you know there was one time um my uh depression was really kicked up and I, I was finding it really hard to do stuff around the house and I needed to do some chores and I put on Hamilton and I was able to do everything mm. and, and it, it really helped a lot. And then watching that on Friday night, like I really was just like, man, this is like, I want to get through this. Like not that I'll ever be, you know, cured or whatever, but like I'm, I very much thrive on having like a tangible result of something. And the problem with sure. mental health is that you don't have a tangible result of something. Yeah. And so it's just this constant process and it's this constant, you know, working on it and it gets better. And, and then it's sometimes it isn't as good. And so um, that can be very discouraging. And so it was really what I needed for me personally in this time where it was just like, man, like I've really been missing a lot of people and I've really been um, just like really down in the dumps and unmotivated and not wanting to do stuff. And it just like, And I hadn't listened to it start to finish in a long time. And I was just like, man, like, there's something more at play. Like, I'm just part of this bigger thing um, Mm -hmm. than just, like, what my own little world. Like, this, I feel like quarantine's just made me, like, way more myopic than I ever have been because it's just, like, my house. And then I go for a (laughs) Mm -hmm. walk. Yep. Um, (laughs) And so it just, like, made me feel like you know, there, there is something more and there is something worth fighting for. And not that made it sound like I want to kill myself. I'm not, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> but there, that, that there, there, there is like, it's worth fighting this fight through these struggles and through this, you know, per, on a personal level, mental health thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then culturally, like I said, America's in a weird spot right now um, for a couple reasons. One, there's a global pandemic happening. Um, coronavirus is completely changing the world. As we said uh, before we started recording, it's turned the world upside down. Um, kind of instantly. It uh, it happened really fast, I think, for a lot of us. And so we were just forced into this like really weird circumstance really quickly. And it hasn't been the best thing um and so people like uh you know people are reacting to it very strongly and that's to be expected i think and completely normal um and then there's been also a lot of talk around the subject of um police brutality and race relations in america and um things like that and uh there's been a lot of um calls to to relitigate and reassess kind of America as an idea, I think. Um, I don't really know. I'm not sure the people protesting know uh, sometimes either. Um, and I think there's there might be like an important seed in what, what everyone's talking about. Um, and I think it's good to like, you know, I, I think it's, what am I trying to say? I think it's good to know where you came from. I think that's mm-hmm. important. And I think mm-hmm. it's good to recognize the fullness of that I, you know like i said warts and all of like we're not mm-hmm. going to get it right 100 percent of the time and we can always do better right what are what you know in order to form a more perfect union it's a work in progress mm-hmm. um and i think that at its core yes with the casting of people of color but more like beyond that even i think um 
like Hamilton is so much about the idea of America and what it means when it's at its best. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people who feel like it's not at its best right now on every side. Yeah. And I think, I think like Hamilton can be really hopeful and healing in that because it can, you know, we can look at it and say, Oh, there, you know, this is what the idea of America is, whether we've gotten it right with the way we've treated certain groups of people or other countries or whatever is, you know, we're going to have to reckon with that and we're going to have to deal with that and we're going to have to come to terms with it. But like, it's an ongoing process and it can always be made better. And I think that's the overall like communal message of Hamilton. And I think that's really good and it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, so that's that's my answer is that I think on a personal level, it can help, you know, it's helped me want to be better and fight fights that I don't want to and deal with struggles that um, can really kind of beat me up sometimes. And then on a cultural level, I think it can be, it can show us what's the best about this country and what happens when it works uh, at its highest level. Hmm. It's really well said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I had to follow up on that, I, I would also say on a personal level, it's affected me in two different ways. Uh, you kind of have this idea of nonstop, um, which <laughs> sometimes people apply to me and some of my endeavors. And, mm. and, and maybe in, in a way, um, when listening to this music, I'm not going to say it's a big portion of the way I think or act, but certainly some of the idea of like, trying to do a lot in the time that you have has had an impact on me and how I approach right. things. And I mean, and this comes also to mutual friends that uh, MJ, you and I share um, being lost at an early age. Uh, so that yeah. that has a big impact on my mentality on things of trying to like leave some sort of mark while you can mm-hmm. and maybe like the, the urgency in that. And so that, that actually does have, um, some meaning and impact on me and it's stuck with me for a while. Um, I mean, it existed beforehand without a doubt, but it, it, it kind of clarified in some ways, some things. And also just in terms of in a meta level, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda accomplishing quite a bit. I mean, he's not, he's not exactly young per se, but he's definitely accomplished quite a bit for his age. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's very impressive and inspiring in a way. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so that's the personal stuff, uh, just the impact on me. As for, you know, this particular moment, uh, I mean, I subscribe basically to everything that MJ says. I mean, it's probably no surprise to anyone on this who listens to this podcast, um, like where my general philosophy or views lie on some things um, at this point. But, you know, we, we live in a time where uh, people are, trying to reevaluate um, where we've been and where we're going. Um, I think, you know, sometimes that's a good thing. I think, you know, certainly with when it comes to uh, certain issues, I mean, I'm just going to say it, like Confederate statues, uh, I don't really think there's a place for them. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, that, that, that stuff can probably go. Um, but, you know, there's also an element of, our founders are were flawed people, yes, mm-hmm. um, and I think we can all stipulate to that. But they also had a pretty radical idea, um, and and that did go and move human progress forward in a pretty dramatic way. And I think 
this this musical is a great encapsulation of how incredible that idea is, how positive it is, mm-hmm. and, and without uh, skirting away from sometimes you know the issues that these people have. You know, this isn't like an uh, unblemished portrait of Hamilton. It goes and right. shows him in some of his folly and yeah. Along with other uh, of the founders, and mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is an important aspect of humanity: is that we're all people, and I, I think one major problem that we have now is 21st century people is turning our nose up at people who have come before us, at yeah. the ways, at the ways yeah. that they lived, um, and the ways that they came short. But we also kind of stand on the shoulders of giants too, mm-hmm. while we go and look down yeah. on them. And um, yeah, you know, I, I think that one important part of being a human being is recognizing that other people are human beings and they can accomplish great things while also falling short in ways. And but that yes. doesn't make them any less inspiring in the ways that they were inspiring. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, I think that that that's what this musical preserves. You know, I I kind of feel like we're on a precipice where in five to 10 years, even this musical will be canceled or be people re-evaluated. are already trying to do that. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was being charitable. I've seen it too. Um, yeah. and, <laughs> and that, and that, uh, that kind of disturbs me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think if we begin to even lose like something like this, mm-hmm. uh, to, to these forces, I think that's a bad sign, but I, I want to be of the mindset that, that those that those people out there are still small in number um mm-hmm. and that yeah. the, the massive reaction to this musical now and even five years ago um it, it's a sign of there are people of goodwill out there and who want to see things in the best light while not shying away from sometimes unpleasant things yeah and um yeah. i hope that that's something that we can carry forward i have to admit i'm more skeptical than ever of that being achieved but um, it's my hope. <laughs> so I'm trying to be hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess for me, like, so this came out, what, like five years ago now. I think mm-hmm. the, the best stories and I think the ones that stick with people the most in any art form are the ones that are a little more transcendent. So even though this is about the founding fathers, I think there's a little something at, at various points and I'm sure all of our walks of life where it's like, oh, I relate a little more to, you know, Washington at this point and thinking, um, you know, that history has its eyes on me or I'm, I'm relating a little bit more to Burr at this point or to Hamilton. And mm-hmm. I think the way that these characters are written, it doesn't feel so stodgy, stuffy, um, unrelatable, you know, George Washington with his wooden teeth and his wig. It's, these are these are flawed men and women who, who feel things that we feel. And I, I think so much of the triumph of this show is the fact that these, these themes and these feelings and these characters are things that, I mean, over the past five years, if I listen to different points, I'm going to cry at different points throughout the soundtrack. And, mm-hmm. and as my boyfriend said, I would cry at a feather because I cry very easily, but there, there are different things that like speak to me or reach out to me. And I'm like, Oh man, like I feel this based on the current walk of life that I'm in. And I think that's such a testament to, to Lin-Manuel Miranda's talent as a writer and, and these performers as they're singing it. And then it's not just me personally. And I think within theater, um, as I, I've kind of touched on, it's it's so huge for him to be consistently writing these, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, to be consistently writing these incredible shows that call for just a large number of people of color, um, as we've kind of touched on, especially now. Um, I, I keep hearing the phrase African-American history is American history. And I think a lot of times that's kind of lost because of 
what we've specifically been taught in, in our public school system, which um, may tend to pick certain heroes who, who some are a little more heroic than others, but we've already decided they're in the textbooks. So those are the ones we're going to push forward and we're going to kind of ignore a lot of really other amazing people. And, and so to be able to see these stories that we've heard for so long being told through the mouths and the lives of, of people of color, I think kind of hits home that this isn't like this subset of group who were like uh, specifically with black Americans who were slaves for so long. Like this is very much, they were an ingrained part of our history. And, and to see that, I think for a lot of people who may, if they're younger, may not recognize that right now, or even older people um, like uh, my, my parents, I feel like as all of this kind of racial tension is coming to a forefront, I'm, I'm seeing my parents wanting to learn more about the history of systemic racism in the country and, and stuff like this is, is very helpful for them to like, not that they were completely unaware of it, but again, it, it just kind of hits home the fact that that people of color have have been struggling for such a long time, but have been a part of our country from its inception. So, I don't know. I, I think just like on a cultural level, on a on a theatrical level, on a personal level, it's um, just hitting home in a lot of different ways and in a really beautiful way. If that makes sense, I feel like I'm just like rambling at this point, but no, that yeah. to- that totally makes sense. Yeah, and I I just was curious to throw this question out there because I I feel like it has impacted in so many ways. Like I, you know, for me personally, like a lot of the stuff that um, all of you guys said, like resonates with me, but I, I definitely think Missy with some of the stuff you were talking about, I think the characters are so well written where they're not just like, you know, the type of writing where it's like, well, I'll write this character and they'll represent like anger or this person mm-hmm. will represent like lust or whatever. It's like these characters are so multidimensional multi-dimensional they feel like people and mm-hmm. so i think as you watch this show like i just even think about like you know uh you know i first see the show and it's like uh, like a song that i would skip over like you know dear theodosia it's like oh mm-hmm. it's a beautiful song but like now having a daughter it just hits me mm, in a very different song. it hits yeah. me in a very different way and it's like yeah so there's just different things like that like and even the characters at different points in the show, like where you might not relate to Burr in the first half of it, you might relate to him in the back half or like Mm -hmm. the same with like Washington or maybe Angelica or somebody like that. So I think there's just a lot of for that, like the characters, how they're written, like for me personally, um, that's been a huge impact. And like, just whether it is like, you know, looking at someone like Hamilton and being inspired of like, what can I, what can I do more? How can I like not waste the time or like, how can like, what does legacy mean? You know, the mm-hmm. the show raises that question so much. It's like, what's my legacy? What does that mean? Um, and then I think like a lot of the things that you guys have talked about, like how it has impacted culture um, and like our country on that level. I, I think it, it really is a great piece of like reminding us like where we came from as a country in a time mm. where we are so divided and things are so polarized and social media and the internet has made it be like, if you don't think this way, you're wrong. Or if it's <laughs> like, you know, it's white or yeah. black, there's no room for gray. And so I think having a story that celebrates um, what makes our country um, unique but like still showing the like warts and all like mm-hmm. it wasn't perfect. People are flawed um, and it helps people to kind of like bridge that good, bad split where it's not just like everything is good or everything is bad. That's like people are flawed, but like people can still do great things. And at a time when our country is so 
torn apart, I think being able to have something that really like it feels hopeful. It feels like a testament of like, look at like what what like America at its best is. And then I think Mm -hmm. you get other layers in there like Missy, you were saying some of those things like having it cast. So, you know, it's like people of color. There's more opportunities for them to do roles like that. But just even some of the the subtext of that, of like, it's people of color playing these like historic founding fathers. And that even, again, mm-hmm. like some people might view it as like, well, if, you know, America's all bad, like why would people of color want to play these characters? And like, you know, it's like, it's because it's like, it's not just black and white. There is a mm-hmm. lot of gray and like, you know, for all the faults that the founding fathers had, there were so many great things that they achieved. And like yeah. anyone, you know, anyone can look back. And when you see that, it's like appreciate like so much that they gave to our country and founding it and shaping it. And so there's like there's so many layers, I think, that it really like impacts um, America and just like our country today like especially where we are right now so I think it's so important and mm-hmm. um, yeah for so many reasons I I think it is it it has hit like coming out on Disney plus now I feel like it has hit at a time where uh, we need we need hope we need things to like rally around and we need to like, remember we need to remember like okay like where did we come from it doesn't mean that we're perfect and it does you know it's like things things can change and in some places need to change but like just helping people to remember like okay what makes america different from other places right (laughs) yeah i saw something recently it was like you can both acknowledge that you know we came from great things and there were great things that have been happening within our country and people who have died for it while also acknowledging that we have room for growth like it doesn't have to be either or where it's like i hate america or also america's the only and best nation in the world it's like it can be both we can look at this and see that there were flaws and we have room for growth but also oh my gosh the like incredible heroicism of these men um who fought and sacrificed so much for us to have what we do have right now is, is incredible yes yeah i think uh I forgot what I was going to say. I completely forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I think uh, not not to get too far off topic with this, because this is uh, one a show about movies and not just like MJ on a soapbox about stuff. Social media is just not the spot to have any of these conversations. Oh, well, that's um, <laughs> an understatement at all. Um, yeah. So I think like by and large, like if you talk to people, this is how they feel like. I like I feel like I have the conver- like the conversations I have with most people in my life outside of social media feel mm-hmm. this way. And uh but especially because quarantine happened our main mode of communication right now is social media and it's just right. like bad news bears for everyone. So <laughs> um <Yes>. like <laughs> uh much uh uh like the little Bow Wow film like Mike I also feel hopeful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, also, uh, they took out the two best F words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, they had true. to get that PG-13 rating. I was pretty pissed off, actually. Like, I was pretty... I kind of let the Hercules Mulligan one go, 
but the Democratic Republicans one, I was like, nah. Yeah, one. that yeah, one is a good one. That is a good See, one. There's something funny is when they performed that number, uh, whatever the Hercules, whatever song the Hercules Mulligan. Battle of your town. Uh, they performed right when they when they performed it at the Tonys. Whoever was on the button for censoring, like, yes, missed it. <laughs> so that the curse word went through, and then they randomly like censored out some other word. <laughs> they were watching, and I was like, oh. <laughs> all right it was like the vacation yeah. city council meeting oh goodness oh man dm me anyway. if you want to know more about that <laughs> uh, i will gladly tell that tale yeah um, the, the democratic republican ones is, is such a powerful fun one to sing it's so yeah. good but, i have know. a needle point up in my bedroom that Kristen made me what yeah what yeah yeah i can oh after we're done i can hop on video and show it to you guys um it's pretty awesome do. i've been yeah. cross-stitching now and the one that i'm going to put up in my bathroom says dwight you ignorant slut from the office so like i need more things to cross stitch <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks guys uh that was really good Corey. thank you for asking that question at yeah. the end i um was trying to figure out a way to work that in and uh I, I didn't see a spot for it. So I so I had had that answer prepared, which is why I jumped on it immediately. <laughs> um, hey, I got you. Yeah. So thank you that for opening that. co-host instincts popping in right yeah, there. Yeah, you know. that had to have been that. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys, for listening. Do you guys have anything else you want to say? No, I think we covered everything. <laughs> don't no. throw away your shot. Cool. Yeah, don't oh, throw away yeah. a shot or don't <laughs> or let wait your for piece it. cat throw away your God, shot. why why did you bring that up, MJ? Um, I'd forgotten about it and now I'm sad. Thanks guys for listening. Uh hopefully we can do it with a little more regularity. I don't know what you guys your guys' schedule is like. Probably pretty freaking open. Um <laughs> Yeah. I'm doing yeah. nothing. Uh by the way, the <laughs> mental health thing, that's why you haven't been you haven't had an episode in like two months. I'm sorry about that. Um but never apologize for that, MJ. Uh no, it's it's fine. Like I'm not sorry that I had mental health issues. That's a weirdo thing to do, but <laughs> I, I, I am sorry that it's affected my life this greatly. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, thanks for listening. I hope you guys like this. Thanks for getting real with me at the end, everyone. Um, that's half the name of the show. So um, <laughs> yep. yeah, that's it. Uh, until next time, which is hopefully sooner rather than later. Also, happy birthday, Missy. Uh, Yay. Yeah. yeah. We're recording like, this. Can I yay myself? That sounds yeah, fantastic. Well, you already did it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, out. we've established. <laughs> well, we've already established that you're racist. So I know. I'm, you I'm, I'm also a narcissist who's yeah. excited over her 31st birthday question mark that no one cares about. You know. <laughs> I don't but know. It, it still counts. It's still important. I, yeah. It, is it? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, sure. you're on the downhill slope toward oblivion. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh man. Wow. That's that's true. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, I'm kidding. I don't know. Based on, my body, based on the way my body reacts to each year I get older, you're oh right. God. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. Our bodies are like, bad you're now lactose intolerant. I was yeah. like, cool, 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 cool. Dude, yeah, out of nowhere, lactose intolerant. Right? What the hell? Just Thanks, never buddy. had a problem. Only had a problem with Alfredo sauce until then. And then, yeah. nope. You know, they don't show winner. that on Friends. They don't show that on any of the like sexy, edgy shows when people are in their yeah, late right? 20s and early 30s. Me, it's like lactose intolerant. If I sleep wrong, my neck hurts the rest of the day. So, yeah, yay. Well, <laughs> we have such a garbage mattress. This is what you guys all came to hear. Right? Yeah, this is the thirty-something. This, this is the relatable content. 
the real of real perspective. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. A- well, age is the bad guys. Yeah, age <laughs> is the bad guys. That's why you got to be nonstop. All right. Bye. I've lost the plot at this point. Wow. <laughs> I'm gonna stop recording and show these guys my uh, needlepoint. I'm so excited.